Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Greetings, adventurers. We are thrilled to be releasing new Dark Dice episodes every other week and hope that you are too. This season has some very sinister things planned, and it's all thanks to our lovely Patreon supporters. Simply put, this show exists only because some of you choose to stay subscribed and help us have nice things on this show, like a voice-stealing shapeshifter, secret hidden episodes, accurate transcripts, and new crunchy sounds. If you're not there yet, head over to our Patreon for bonus releases, ad-free episodes, and access to our beta test Discord channel, where we share our latest terrifying rules and monsters. It's all happening at patreon.com slash foolandscholar. A link is in the show notes. There's even a musical, perhaps two. You can subscribe for free as well to get newsletter-style updates. Okay, I just have to interrupt everything I'm doing right now just to say how happy I am to be recording without a broken nose. It's the first time in 16 years, and I am so happy with how my voice sounds. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry about that. I'll go back to it. One extra note, if you enjoy hearing Jasper William Cartwright on our show, the player behind Ajay, he is also behind an amazing podcast called Three Black Halflings. I'll let him explain it, though, and then we'll get started. Keep this way. Hello, Halflings! It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and along with my two friends, Olivia Kennedy and Jeremy Cobb, we host the Three Black Halflings podcast. Three nerdy friends with strong opinions and even stronger charisma scores. Join us on our quest to explore diversity within the incredible worlds of D&D, TTRPGs, and pop culture, while doling out some GM and player advice on how to enrich your games thought-provoking conversations about the hottest topics in the space, and a band of epic guests, including Matthew Mercer, Abria Iyengar, Lou Wilson. We even had some OG hobbits themselves, Merry and Pippin, Dominic Monaghan, and Billy Boyd stop by to have a conversation. We do it all with a smile on our face and a laugh in our bellies. And just in case that wasn't enough, we have Actual Play 2, which you should definitely check out our post-apocalyptic North Africa-inspired western called Outlaws and Obelisks, featuring Connie Chung and Emily Axford. So, for all your TTRPG and nerd needs, 3BH is the place to be. See you there, Shire folk. Shalis de Pace. Salis. Do you seek him? 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 Do you seek the nameless god? You have found yourself among those who roll the dark dice. What you are about to hear happened long ago. A story brought back from the edge of oblivion. Dutifully transcribed. 
and enhanced orally to better captivate your attention. Previously, five adventurers embarked on the Willow's Wake toward personal quests in the frozen north. With threats of cursed cargo, sea sirens, dangerous prisoners, and more, they continued toward their first destination. Dark Dice, Shores of the Silver Thrum, Chapter 2, The Calm. The Willow's Wake continued its journey, and for a few hours, Ajay Ogun, the half-orc warlock who walked the line between life and the other side, picked up the ship's singular book, more out of boredom than interest, as he knew there were still five days until the ship arrived to its first destination, the sunken bulwark. Even after that, it would be two weeks more until he and the others would reach their intended destination. By now, they had seen the main areas of the vessel, but where did its passengers want to spend their time during the long hours ahead? There was the deck itself for those who might be vomiting over its edge, or intrigued by the view of the stretching horizon, or perhaps searching for a glimpse of sea sirens, because that would probably be the best place to see them and hear them, as the Willow's Wake had very few actual windows. And if there's a hole in the boat, it is not a window, and it should be reported. <laughs> True as this was, what was Viviana Bloodchamber up to? Um, she's at the top, what do you call it, the deck? Yeah, looking out into the water, uh, desperately trying to catch a siren feeling, but seeing absolutely nothing. One thing Viviana did notice a little bit later that evening was the burly cook Udal hauling in a large net. Oh. Udal grinned a wide and toothy grin, flashing sparse lantern light on her long, pearly tusks. The net rose from the water with trained ease, and Uda pulled a wriggling octopus from the entangling ropes. The octopus was placed in a bucket, and Uda secured the lid with a snap. That's cool. Octopuses, they're, they're kind of gross, so she's not that interested. She just wants to see a siren or sneak back downstairs and take a good look at that creature again when no one's there. So I think she's just waiting for that opportunity. As Viviana turned away, another octopus and the cook engaged in a life-or-death battle, at least for the octopus. Bored and unimpressed with the plain, endless ocean, Viviana walked to the deck again, passing a grumbling sailor as she noticed the perfect opportunity. The hatch on the forward deck, between the grating of which she was able to catch glimpses of the owlbear. Fluffy! It seemed most probable that the crew had lowered the owlbear's cage into the hold through the hatch. Oh, great. That is cool. That is relevant, yes. Um, can she, like, sneak downstairs then? Through that hatch? With a stealth check, Viviana could certainly try to sneak down through the hatch unnoticed. Seven. Convo, still sitting in his chair, sketching and smudging, glanced up at his prisoners, intrigued and contented, waiting for his shift to end. It was then he noticed the hatch above him open. At first, it was a small creak, then a louder, lower groan, and quickly he spotted the piercing purple eyes and small horns of Lady Viviana. Viviana, who had spent her entire life training to act as a shadow, was surprised by how the old hatch, having not been oiled in perhaps a decade, 
maybe two, groaned louder and fiercer than any fiends or banshees she'd grown up hearing about in legends. She chalked it up to the uneasy swaying of the old boat's wooden bones. Another job for Yara. And so Viviana found herself staring face to face with Convo, maintaining locked eye contact that seemed to last for an interminable eternity. Both remained silent. Both continued to stare. So he doesn't say anything, but Convo gives the stern look with his eyes, as if saying, The fuck do you think you're doing? Already, one foot's already passed, and as they make eye contact, she goes, Convo! Convo, my man, or my, sorry, my orc? Ha, <laughs> how you doing? Viviana lowered herself from the hatch, smooth as a viper. Hi, my, uh, you're not supposed to be here. Get out. Oh, am I not supposed to? Sorry, I just, like, this this hatch, it's, uh-huh, it's uh-huh. so... Go, go, go. You guys need to go, oil it or something. Okay, all right, sorry. I, I think it's doing its job just well. While stalling for time, Viviana noticed the bearded man in the cage, an actual prisoner with her passive perception. She pushed down a hint of confusion. Had he been there before? He doesn't say anything. She just takes note, looks at it, and then... You know, goes away, and we'll come back again at night, probably, to try again, and roll higher than a seven. With early plans of an owlbear feeding foiled, and a few more hours for Convo to remain on watch, where was Ajay during the voyage? Uh, I think Ajay's going to be on the deck for the most part. Doesn't like being in s- small confined spaces, but probably won't be looking out to sea either. Uh, I think he finds it pretty boring, so he's going to be kind of sat back up against the railing again reading the book looking just sort of scanning the the crew he'll be generous with the book though if anyone does want to read it he's not that precious about it if just in case anyone does want to scan this as ajay flipped through the pages he realized that the book was a collection of myths and legends from vernasco adventurers of the well-known hero rive of nelium demigod son of raylir and a mortal woman Some pages had been torn from the book here and there, mostly title pages and appendix sections near the back. The myths themselves remained whole, insomuch as the whole of a myth can be written. And what was Convo up to? Uh, For the night, like I said, I'll keep an eye on the owl there. I'm kind of taking the time to enjoy the peace and quiet, just sketching, minding my own. Though for the most part, due to the fact that I'm a deckhand, I'm probably going to be upstairs during the day when needed for the hold, uh, taking shifts, making sure that we're not veering off course or something, dealing with the masts and the sails, all the stuff that needs to be done. I'm fully intending to earn my pay with hard work. And what did Lancho, the charismatic human dressed in the fine clothing of nobility, find herself doing on her first evening of the voyage? While the seemingly intrepid crew are down there looking at the prisoner for some reason, I'm actually following my new small friend Nimble around. Cause Nimble's quite friendly and he's one of the few who's smart enough not to go downstairs. So wherever he is, I actually would like to speak with him because I want to know what's his deal. Like why is he on his journey? I know why I'm here, but I want to know why everybody's on this journey, on this boat in the cold seas, and see if I can um, ask them to join me on my quest. That made sense, but where was the halfling hero, ranger, and pathfinder, Nimble Rimble Troutspine Trout? Yeah, where did you rush off to? Uh, oh yeah, I know. I would be at the front of the boat, looking out across the horizon, you know, watching water break around the front, feeling the wind, checking out what there is to see, if there are any fish. 
And if someone from the crew passes by my side, I look like what they're doing and wearing. And if they happen to leave something behind that I can maybe take as a, a small trinket to bring back home and tell my sister like, Hey, you know, I got this on a boat. <laughs> the boat and the boat was bigger than half our village. <laughs> as nimble, head filled with ideas, enjoyed the push of clear, crisp air from the front of the ship, the hatch in the deck behind him was opened, and deckhand Lindzen climbed out. <sighs> the air changed in an instant to that of a horrid stench, as perhaps the land-dwelling nimble did not fully recall that the head of the ship was also its version of an outhouse. Oh, okay. <laughs> as this hatch fell closed and the ship pushed on, the salty sea air pushed away the stench once more. Put Titanic in a completely different light. We did explain it earlier, but, um, surprise, but also not. And it was at that moment that Lon approached. So, hey, Nimbo, is it? Oh, hey there. Yes, I'm Nimbo Rimbo Trout Pine Trout, but you can absolutely call me Nimbo. And you're Lon. Am, am I saying that right? Sorry if I'm not. Lon? Yes. Wow, that's a rather unique name. So different from everyone from my village. Yes, I'm Dalarian, and it used to be a bit more common before the Dark Miracle. Pleased to meet you. The pleasure is all mine. It sure is pretty here, isn't it? The open water. Hmm, yes, the cold oceans have a different air to them. I thought I earned my sea legs in my youth, and this would be... This would feel the same as being on the dark sea, but it's a bit choppier than what I'm used to. And these talks of sea sirens have me quite curious. What about you? Well, nothing fancy like sea sirens and dark sea, but, you know, in my community we have, like, rivers and fishing and stuff, but uh, nothing with that great quantity of water. But, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like... I can swim pretty well, but I really don't want to fall here because I'm not sure if I could be able to get back on the boat in time. The ship sails so quickly and the currents... Uh, of course, of course. We don't want to, you know, get caught by fish folk, sea elves, or, you know, by the sunken ones, others, giant sea denizens that we have not yet seen or even heard of either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that sounds kind of terrifying when you put it that way, but... Also a bit like an adventure. This is an adventure. Yet we must never forget that the ocean's depths know no bounds. So the creatures within can grow to limitless size and hunger. It's their home, their domain, and we're the intruders passing through. Hoping to avoid the ever-hungry, glassy gaze of the deepest horrors, <laughs> all while exploiting their precious waters. <laughs> Mmm, <laughs> so I hear that you're some kind of hero. Oh, well, sort of? I mean, I think Vind and Ajay are really the most hero-like out of her lot, but if you're just talking about the borough folks from the Shade Hill River, well, yeah, I guess I'm kind of a hero also. But it's a very small village, so that's not saying all too much. <laughs> now, Danya, oh, Danya is my sister, and she's pretty brave too. And I bet in another few years our village will have songs about her too. <laughs> Does that mean the Shade Hill River folk have songs about you? Um, uh, sort of. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear a story? Love a good story. Okay, oh. so, Lon. Yes. A couple winters ago, a cruel giant threatened our community. Oh. It was all like breaking into all our food stores and lighting houses on fire, 
really terrible stuff. Wow. I mean, people were terrified. Uh. And I I was kind of in the area when it was happening, you know, visiting family. And, and the giant who probably didn't know this was about to step on the water breads. Uh, that's our neighbor, Burl. Wow. Was going to step on our neighbor's Burl. Ah. And it would have totally gone through the roof. Boom! And ah. maybe hurt someone. So I... I, I started yelling at the giant, like, hey, wow. leave them alone, you know, and, you know, and giants, because I speak a bit of giants, oh. and it seemed the most pertinent to the problem, you know, enough to ask for directions or that sort of thing, it's cool, but although maybe my accent's not that good, but, oh, uh, sorry, yeah. and the giant got kind of angry, and I used my sling to throw some rocks at it. I was just trying to get his attention and, and you know, maybe turn him the other way. I, oh. I didn't really mean to kill it, and in truth, I feel kind of bad about it, but anyway, that's what happened. Oh, okay. It took a rock to the face and fell headfirst into the river. Drowned. Poor guy. And ever since then, whenever we have problems on the Shade Hill River, I'm the guy who they sent to fix them. Mm. So not so often with violence. Well, not only with violence, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> what other sorts of problems have you fixed? Oh, uh... <clears throat> Well, I helped solve a dispute to answer who makes the better cornbread. There was Gamma Fierro and Ant Teak. Oh, they were both delicious, but Gamma Fierro was... Anyway, I think I'm... you're not into this. So, anyway, I helped find a way to build a bridge over a great river pass, which actually once built helped save lives in the flood about 10 years back. And, uh, and... Oh, and a few summers ago, I was pretty good at sharing some of our village songs with a traveling bard. It was a gnome, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, and I helped Prince Vint go on a hunting trip with his brother. Oh, so you and Vint are friends? Well, I think it's safe to say we are. At least for my part, I say that. Vint, Ajay, and I come from three tribes from the same woods. Ajay and his father led the Mifreya of Sangoma, a big old underground village of orcs. And Vint has been the leader of the Shade Elves for the past year. Uh, well, since Alistair, his brother, died. <clears throat> but, well... Uh, let me tell you, if you think I'm heroic, well, just ask that guy for a few stories. <laughs> Vint, Vint is a true hunter, a true hero, and Ajay's pretty amazing too, always helpful, very grounded, just such a nice guy. <laughs> okay, so like, why are you all taking this journey together? It seems safe to say that you guys don't leave your forest or river much, so why the three heroes leave your villages? Where, where are you traveling to, can I ask? Uh... Well, sure. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, it's not a secret. It is? Well, at least I don't think it is. So, our village, <clears throat> where we live, there was kind of a storm, worse than usual, and it was a catastrophe for us. So, like, every four years, we have a festival for Eoditch. Uh, that's the morn of the storm gods. There's music and dancing and fires, food. Oh, the whale-shaped cookies, they're so good. And the idea is that... If the offering we give is big enough, the lightning at the end of the festival will strike the shrine with built and not hit one of us, you know. There's a whole story behind this involving us hitting too many fishes one year, but that's a whole different story. Well, anyway, the festival this year ended with something new. Well, there was a flood, and it destroyed part of where we lived, and Vind and Ajay villages were damned too. After it all, the shrine was still intact. And not two days after, there was a fire, and this one was also pretty bad and unusual. So we feel like 
maybe we must have done something to upset nature, upset Eldritch. Uh, so we, I mean, Vin, Dajay, and I have the idea that maybe nature could use a reminder of the better days, the the last stormy ones, for the sake of our villages. So that's oh, why... I totally I, agree. So we're just trying, uh, I mean, I'm just trying to get to someplace, yeah. Oh, another place to settle down, you mean? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, how can I say this? To commune with nature, like... Nature has been angered by some, well, something, I guess. It's not looking very good for our peoples, and we're just trying to make amends. Let nature know that we we need better days so we don't starve. So we are each bringing gifts to the Shrine of the Sunken One, and then to the Shrine of the Storm God. I myself am bringing some water from the Shade River, because I think it's really nice water, and it's probably not something that the storm and sea beings get to enjoy very often. So, maybe when they taste it, they'll remember that they like us. Oh, I see, um, I see. Anyway, what about you, Lon? Wow, so I come from a place up in the mountains. Mountains? That's really amazing. Yes, yes, and uh, we How have... How is it there? It is a bit dark year-round, but actually quite nice. We used to have a really nice city, but our lands were within Dalaria and now suffer. Cursed with darkness and undeath. The Darklands. I am so sorry for your loss, Lon. The loss took place far before my time, but we are still people left without a home. As you two are having your conversation, Yara, who's the shipwright, just fixing everything he can, just sort of barges in. Um, I guess he doesn't... Well, he indicates that he needs to get to the railing and then doesn't wait for confirmation and just pushes through because he needs to get this done and starts fixing everything around you. Oh, uh, oh, oh sorry. Excuse you. Sorry, I... I My. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to do that. It's just you don't want this ship falling apart beneath your feet, do you? I guess. No, no, of course not. We were just having a conversation. Never mind. So... How is Silly doing these days, Yara Ray? On the waters, I mean. Well, right now, she's she's an owl. She's used to the waters. We've lived along the waters all all her life. Um, so she's, right now, she's up in the, well, scraps of old bread. And he's, he's, Yara is looking around to see whether Omen is around or anyone, anyone else of the crew. Uh, is in earshot. He doesn't see anyone, so he says, well, there might be uh, one or the other rat around, but uh, again, don't worry about it. She's taking care of it. She's well fed at the moment. Well, she she gets her fair share. No, I mean to say she's fed. Um, and he kind of tries to stop himself from saying more and just gets back to... Um, fixing the railing. Lon sees he's clearly trying not to impart more about the situation, so Lon just simply says, oh, I'm just assuming that, you know, we're on the sea, so, like, it'd be more fitting to have a a pair as a pet, but what do I know, right? Har, har, har. No laughs. No laughs. <laughs> wow, tough crowd tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that your mountains are covered by the shadow of darkness, Lon. I, I really am. That sounds quite regrettable. Let's hope for better days, right? 
Thank you, fair friend. Thank you. I hope that one day the light of Selagon will return, and that we, like you, can return to better days. Um, after after fixing this railing, which is just something that popped into his head that he took note of on his first day on deck, and he needed to get that out of the way, um, he's actually gonna go up to the helm to grab a cup of that sweet, sweet, super bitter coffee to bring down to Canvo, because he knows that if you are on watch, you're gonna need something to stay awake. What? Wait, what? Uh, so... We have coffee? <laughs> no way. Wow. Did I say that out loud? OMG. So scandalous bitter. I need some of that. Yare? Er, uh, Yara? I love wine and girl just as much as the next guy, but you are holding out on me. What is that? Well, I have been to places that would call this coffee. I'm not sure that anyone in their right mind would do the same. It keeps you awake, it keeps you warm, so I, I'd suggest you leave it for the crew. And again, he looks around to see if any of the higher up-ranking people of the ship are around. Can I have some? Um, uh, sure. If you, if you meet me by those stairs over there in, uh, let's say, 30 minutes, I might be able to sneak you a cup. Vind, who was standing not too far away, but in a, in a shadowy lit area so nobody noticed he was standing there, overheard the conversation of the secret coffee exchange in 30 minutes, and it piques his curiosity. And he plans to reappear in 30 minutes in this exact spot to see exactly why it must be so secret. And Yara just hurries off, no confirmation needed, hurries off and brings Convo that one cup of hot bitter coffee uh, before contemplating how to get a second cup uh, and sneaks past Uda, who is still battling the cephalopod, finding his way down into the hold. Me? That better not be you. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, it's just me. Um, I got coffee if you're interested. Oh, Yara. Close the door. Close, close. Thanks. I need to tell you something. We got a f couple of fucking problems. Is anything happening around this prisoner situation? Well, he is pretty creepy, but there's uh, a little horn girl, guest lady. Keeps on trying to sneak in here. Keep an eye out. Sure. She knows she's not supposed to be here, and I don't want any further trouble. But she could try again. I'm going to talk to the other deckhands and Omen, but she could really cause a situation if she lets him out. Somebody could get hurt, and I'm not talking about her. Okay, wait. How did she try and sneak in? I point upstairs. You know the way we brought the larger crates in? Sure. And at this point, Yara is taking another mental note to not oil that huge grate. Good, good, <laughs> good call. That thing is working great as an alarm. I'll tell you that much. Do not oil it. But yeah, we need to talk to Av and the others about it. Sure, and um, Omen, Omen hasn't told you anything more about that prisoner? No, I've been here the entire time since this started. I haven't seen anybody else so far, so... If you have questions, you need only ask. I am not talking to you. Until we know more about him, I'd keep clear of him. And keep everyone else clear of him, too. That's, that's a good call, I guess. And really, I only got this um, 
one cup of coffee here and there's someone else that needs some coffee. So Yaga's just gonna hand Canvo his hot, still hot coffee and then giving Canvo a knowing look and nodding to him in affirmation that this situation needs to be dealt with. He kind of just backs out of the room to get the other coffee for the other people. The secret coffee handoff took place on schedule, and Mulvind had originally anticipated he might confront Yara and Lon about getting his own coffee. He quickly reconsidered after seeing Lon's thorough disgust at the taste of the drink. She subsequently attempted to give the near-full mug to various crew members as a gesture of goodwill. But after all expressed being full or having a cup already, she retired to her quarters shortly thereafter, having quietly tipped the coffee contents into the vast sea below. It was then Vin joined Nimble on the deck to stare at the endless ocean before them, the flowing waves and the stars above, and to hear the calming lull of the water and sails. <sighs> so different from our quiet river. Yeah, it really is. Just wonderful. Well, not that our river's not great. It is too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. My sister would have loved to see this. Have you met Denia? Well, anyway, Denia's my sister, and she would have loved to see this. She loves fish, really, and she wants to see those big fish. What are they called again? The dolphins? The dolphins? Dolphins. Or yeah, dolphins. <laughs> now that I think of it, I'd maybe like to see one, too. My brother had... He had told me about them. I'm sorry, Vind. Here I am, mentioning my sister. <sighs> How are you? Since... You know, taking up the mantle and all. Well, Alistair certainly made it look easy. <sighs> Might have been better to just send someone else to the shrines. Ah, stop that duck, Vince. Come on. You're doing great. I think your brother, yeah, he would have been proud of you. Taking charge, doing what's needed, taking care of your people. Proud? <laughs> yeah. Let's not take it that far. I mean, listen, you're a leader, Nimble. Even if you don't realize it, people love you. You're Mr. Nimble Hero. Do one good deed. How do you keep them all <laughs> content? I wouldn't say I'm a leader. Nah, not like that. I wasn't born to it at all. Nope. <laughs> Just did the right good things at the right good times, and my people like that. <laughs> We're all just trying to do good. Huh. Do good. Sure. Change up! They're all yours, Lowe's. Keep an eye out for the sea sirens. I hear they're quite hoopsh. <laughs> ich werde sie finden, if I see any. Av Mitoff, the second mate of the Willow's Wake, smirked at first mate Mason Lurs, leaving the next shift of work in his hands. Av took her leave and followed the sound of pleasant conversation below deck, where Galesk, Yelena, Yara, and Convo ate, drank, and enjoyed the end of their long shift. Now they could wrap themselves in the Willow's wooden husk and warm their winter bit skin. Evening, mates. <sighs> the fuck everyone gets so quiet, yes. We were just back on the same topic from two nights ago. That uh, topic you're not so fond of, and we didn't want to make you uncomfortable. The rats? No. Superstitions and such. Ah. Uh. So, I already know for the rest of you, but what about you, Mr. Combo? Are you a superstitious man too? 
Uh, that depends on what you're talking about. I think it's safe to say everyone has at least a few beliefs. Look, not to judge here, but crew and see. Glabs do on hokum and spirits and stuff, or in, like, blessings from gods or otherwise. Do you even believe in the gods? I do have something of a special respect for Tulaiga. But more to answer your question, I have witnessed some of the blessings gods have provided firsthand. My own life sometimes feels a mixture of blessings and curses. However, hocus pocus, uh, I leave that for the fairy tales to children. Ah, uh, me? <laughs> Gallusk said with a smirk while taking a small sip. It was clear from the smell of those close enough to Gallusk that they were not consuming beer, but something smaller and far stronger. On the beam above Yara sat Celie, who gleefully slurped up a bit of tail that still hung from her beak. As the ship rocked and the lantern light softly swung, a pin of white shine ticked back and forth in the owl's black pearl eyes. And what a fine job you do, Gallusk. But, uh... I guess the gist of my question is, if you think the... Well... Certain boats have certain traditions, and, well, our boat's got traditions, sure, but... It's not just hokum, or hocus-pocus. The bulwark has got magic in it. So that place, those those rocks, that's, that's heavy magic. Old, scary stuff. Yeah, it does. But, uh, can you to stop any potential curses? Like that thing Gelmaine got so up in arms about? That shouldn't affect us after we got the blessings at the bulwark, right? Uh, that's what you're, uh... Wait, is that why you told me not to touch it? Oh, the idol? Nah, I was... I was just telling Lindsay not to touch it, but... Just if it has to do with the magics, just let me do it. It's it's easier, and then the captain doesn't get all in a half about superstitions and curses, and, uh, and the sunken one, and getting blessings, and not doing this thing or that thing or the other thing. You, you know, you know, you know what I mean. He has been a bit of a ghost himself, since that happened. I'll be his old self soon enough. He just needs Ina Naktav, say. Well, maybe a few, and Captain will be good. See, so, yeah, pushes his troubles away. I got the impression he was more worried about the high-paying guest aboard and us outnumbering the crew. I know I'd be worried about tending to so many guests, especially the fancy ones. But the thing that we're talking about, that, that idol... The, the crate had the far hauler's mark, so it's not illicit goods, right? That's, uh... What we're transporting is quite legal. Uh, the, uh, the question is more of just, um... Danger. Yeah. Danger. And sometimes that may be ethics behind the thing, but, yeah. That thing might be dangerous, but I was told as long as we just leave it in its box... Hopefully not tip it out again and anger it. We should be okay. We'll be fine. Just leave it be. Yeah. Yeah, now. Sounds mm. good. As long as it won't come to life and poke a hole in the hull or something. <laughs> that might be a nightmare for at least Yara over there. Ah, yes. No more holes on the ship, please. I feel like my job is already going to keep me busy until we get to Winterport. So, uh, Yara, uh... I'm sorry about earlier. I I was not trying to be rude. I didn't think you were rude. Well, uh, we never really properly introduced ourselves. And I extend my hand out. Combo. As you might now have heard, like, seven times. And Yara grabs his hand, shakes it firmly. 
Yeah, uh, again, Jahre. <laughs> Spelled as it sounds. <laughs> genau. So, how was your latest shift aboard the Willow, Yara? Anything interesting? Well, have you ever seen a kitchen that's held in place by knives before? Hmm. No, I don't believe I have. Well, count yourself lucky. Um, not being of the superstitious kind, but having seen more than my fair share of wild magics out there, did you say that we move this thing, this idol, into cargo? Yeah, haven't touched it since. Okay, then. Uh, so, if I ever come across this particular box, uh, and one of you is around, just point it out to me so I can stay a good ten feet away from it. And anyone that has ever spent enough time around Yare, which isn't too many people, uh, would know that it is the exact opposite of what he intends to do with that box if he gets the chance. Well... Seeing as none of us, save Omen, have any need to go into the hold, that shouldn't be a problem. Right. But if we do, I'll make sure to point it out. Right. Oh, by the way, I wanted to ask, did you get to try any of the food while you were down there in the galley? Kind of wondering whether it's going to be a good three-week trip or not. And while the slop was pretty good, I'm curious if we're going to be having the same meal every night, or if you just got plans. Oh, I will tell you, there those were two of the worst hours of my life. Working there... The whole time smelling all those spices and not being able to taste any of it, she wouldn't let me try a single spoonful of whatever she was cooking up. And let me tell you, I am eagerly looking forward to seeing what's going to be on the menu tomorrow. Well, I guess we'll find out soon enough. Say what you want about, uh, well, um, anything. But Udo quit. He's a great damn cook. One of the best perks about being on this ship. Cheers to that. Aye. Aye. The evening grew later, and a curious Finn Graveview found himself on deck, chatting with various crewmates about their lives, their families, and their experiences on the vast and mysterious waters. By this hour, Vind was speaking with one of the deckhands, Linzen. A brick of a dwarf who referred to Vind, his companions, and the rest of the crew as surface dwellers at every possible opportunity, as if out of habit or honor. So hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me get this straight. You work on this boat, which is on the surface, and yet... Wait, so how long have you worked on this boat? I've worked the Willis Wake for... Mm, about 56 years, I suppose. 56 years? Wow. And so how many expeditions have you taken? Must be hundreds. Hundreds? Okay, wow. And this one is taking us up to the super cold region? The the, the northern realm? Is that right? Yeah, but we're going to go past, or to the sunken bulwark first. Then after sitting around there for a bit, we're on our way up to Winterport. Basically north realm. Hmm, okay. This is something you should have been told before you got on the willow. Oh, well, I, <laughs> I know where we're going. I've just... I've never been there before, so it's all kind of new to me, you know. My older brother was always the one who went on journeys. I'm not, um, I'm just not used to being this far from home, if that makes sense. Ah, I understand that feeling. Yeah, I, I still miss him a lot. He, um, he died recently. My brother. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Losing a brother is both the loss of family and a friend. Yeah, he, uh, he got really sick. It was, it was pretty quick, thankfully, because he was in a lot of pain for the days he had to endure it. Hmm. I don't know if you'll believe this, but, um, I come from a long line of elven rulers. And elves, as you may know, undergo a change when we come of age called the choosing. Yes, I've heard of this, the polymorphism thing. That's why some elves can see in the dark and others can have wider ears and such. Yes, our bodies physically reshape during the choosing to help us adapt to our surroundings, also our professions. And, well, my brother, my father, my grandmother, and so forth, they all were chosen, physically adapted to be the best capable leaders for my clan. I suppose there's some comfort in that. They were all great leaders. They, they saw us through some truly terrible times. They forged alliances, they fought wars, they, they made really tough decisions, but they're gone. And because no one else was chosen from childhood to lead, that burden is now mine. So what were you chosen for? I kind of feel like I wasn't chosen for anything, if I'm being honest. But I'm a hunter, if you can believe it. And I'm doing my best right now to guide my clan through a really terrible time. Some awful storms came through our land recently. They damaged our forests, causing flooding, and sparked wildfires. We lost a lot of food, and this all happened so soon after my brother died that some of us think that perhaps... Perhaps we offended the gods somehow. So we're on a pilgrimage of penance to give offerings to Neldich, the, the, the sunken one. Aldich, the storm god, and hopefully the fire spring as well. We're also looking to see if we can find more opportunities for sources of food, or maybe a group that would be interested in trading with us. I say we, uh, and, and by that I mean myself and the other folks I've been traveling with. Ajay of the Sangoma Orcs, and Nimble of the Shade Hill River Folk. So you're looking to give an offering at the Bulwark, then? Yeah, but I'm also looking for trade opportunities. Those who help themselves can better help others. Vind fidgeted with a small charm on his wrist before concealing it. Well, then you're on the right boat. I don't think you're a bad guy, Vind, but I'm not sure how much I can help. I know a lot about boats, but not much about politics or trade or gods. If this is what your soul tells you to do, then perhaps give it what you can. <laughs> you don't need any of my expertise on boats, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know how boats work. They, um, they boat on the water. <laughs> <laughs> they do boat on the water. <laughs> <sighs> well, it's good to know I've got a good listening ear aboard, Linson. I'll be completely honest. I'm really new to this whole leadership thing, but I'm worried I'm making mistakes. Could I get your opinion on some things? Hey, let's get one thing straight. Just because you weren't chosen to lead doesn't make you incapable of leadership. I mean, dwarves and humans and orcs, their leaders are just a regular everyday folk like- The heavy dwarf with well-earned muscle and a relaxed approach to life was certainly hardy and strong. And so it seemed odd to Vind that he moved through the air so quickly, followed by a deep, throat-tearing scream. 
Something, an ever-shifting effervescent darkness, had descended from above, wrapping the dwarf in rows of silvery teeth and pulling him up into the night sky. Dark Dice, Shores of the Silver Thrum, Chapter 2, The Calm, created by Travis Vengroff and K.A. Stats, featuring Lily Pichu as Viviana Bloodchamber, Eric Nelson as Vind Graveview, Jasper William Cartwright as Ajay Ogun, Danilo Balascini as Nimble Rumble Trotspine Trout, Florian Seitler as Yara, Enrique Perez as Convo, Sophie Yang as Lan, K.A. Stats and Travis Vengroff as co-dungeon masters, and featuring the voices of Kiera Baxendale, Kareem Cromfley, Lika Kukashvili, David Devereaux, Michael Heitner, Chris Lurz, Peter Joseph Lewis, and Marisha Tapera. This episode was produced and edited with sound design by Travis Vengroff, with dialogue editing assistance by Kayla Shu, additional sound design, mixing, and mastering by Dane Leonardson, transcriptions by Shion Francois, and executive producers Dennis Greenhill, Carol Vengroff, AJ Punkin, and Michael Villegas. This episode features music by David Wise, Stephen Malin, Brandon Boone, and Travis Vengroff. To support this production and get ad-free access to bonus releases, music, world lore, art, and early access to future adventures and DD materials, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash foolandscholar. This is a Fool and Scholar production. Thank you for listening. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.